Hey, how's it going? And welcome to the Social Media Summit podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting our social media summit held on April 11th and 12th in the historic Croke Park in Dublin City, Ireland. At the event, you're going to hear from companies like Radical, Outset, Rock Boost, Leading Social, Unplugged, Little Woods, Qualtrick, Circulate, AdRoll, Twitter and HubSpot. And that's just to name but a few. You'll get the full list of speakers and the companies they're from on socialmediasummit.ie and there are some tickets left for purchase which again you'll get at socialmediasummit.ie This is episode 4 In episode 1 we talked to the Social Media Summit founder Samantha Kelly In episode 2 we talked to Natalie Moss from Wolfgang Digital In episode 3 we heard from Andrea Finnegan from Airbnb and in episode four, I'm delighted to say that it's going to feature none other than Mary Smith, better known as the Queen of Facebook. Now, Mary boasts about 1.5 million followers on social media, and that includes 100,000 sub- subscribers to her email and about 650,000 people who like, follow or are friends with her on Facebook. She's been featured in some top publications like the New York Times, Forbes magazine, Fortune magazine and the Wall Street Journal. And she is our keynote headline speaker at the Social Media Summit in April. Mary is going to be presenting on winning Facebook strategies, the five powerful ways to leverage your results and ROI return on investment. I recorded a fantastic chat with Mary last week. So without further ado, here she is, the queen of Facebook, Mary Smith. Now, I'm delighted to be joined by Mary Smith, calling all the way from San Diego. A very warm welcome to the Social Media Summit podcast, Mary. Well, hello, greetings. Thank you so much for having me, Fergus. My pleasure. It's always nice to talk to the Queen. <laughs> I'm honoured. So just by way of background, uh, you're in San Diego, you're, you're living in San Diego now, but you were born in Canada, you lived in Scotland, and you've you've resided in California the last number of years. So just just tell us a little bit about your background and your route to San Diego. Sure, absolutely. Well, my parents are actually both Scottish, so, so they met and, and married in Canada, but they definitely are both Scottish. And uh, then I was born in Canada, like you said, and spent the first 12 years there. And then uh, my dad, uh, my folks divorced and I moved with my dad and my sisters to Edinburgh, which was my dad's hometown originally, where he was born. And I was there for about 20 years. And then in 1999, out of the absolute blue, um, a guy, that long friend of mine I hadn't seen him for about five years, and just out of the blue, he's like, Mario, you know, I think you'd really like it in San Diego. Come over. I'll help you get started. And, and I was like, sure, absolutely, no brainer. Interestingly enough, up to that point, I had always been an employee. I had worked uh, at different jobs. I uh, was doing marketing and uh, trainings. And it was all of 1998. I was setting up plans to launch my own business and, and just getting going, built my website, business cards, had a few clients doing some training and speaking. And then that was exactly when uh, I was going to get a small business loan. And, and, and that's when I got the invite to come to San Diego. So I was like, oh, oh, I'm supposed to start my business in in, in uh, California, you know. <laughs> and so was it that you were, the small business loan or the business you were setting up, was that in in marketing and specifically in digital marketing? 
It, it wasn't digital per se. That was 98, but I, I definitely have always had a fascination for computers and technology. Gosh, when I was 12 years old, I was programming in a, an old – my dad wrote music, and I would take his music and program into this computer and do all these five-part harmonies and whatever. But I just have always had a fascination, fascination for tech. And uh, interestingly enough, as I look back over my career, I, I've had these two parallel paths. There's the technology, which evolved and became the internet. And my love of people, relationships, and behavior, what makes people tick. And so the business I was setting up in 98 in Edinburgh, throughout Scotland, was was training, was marketing. A lot of the soft skills, actually, a person uh, a personal presentation and public speaking, body language reading. I worked with a lot of attorneys, for example. And, uh, yeah, and I used to go, go to uh, Toastmasters, very active there. And, and it just really all evolved, but. You know, when I came to the States and I, I met a wonderful woman who specialized in a behavioral analysis and we wrote a book together. I helped her with her online business. Actually, even I, I was so broke at the time, Fergus, I actually, I actually, uh, bartered my immigration attorney for, for my, <laughs> for my fees for getting a visa and I built them a website in exchange. So I've always had that tacky side, you know. Brilliant. But then the digital marketing really began to grow like in you know, like 2000, 2001. For me, and so if you hadn't sort of been the the storming success you've been on the social media scene, where do you think you would have ended up? Let's say Facebook never happened or social media never happened, where do you think you would have ended up? Would it have still been in San Diego? Would it still have been in marketing and relationships and that type of thing? That's a wonderful question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before, and I love it. And yeah, I would definitely be a public speaker. I would do trainings. I would be doing live streams, uh, doing live broadcasts, webinars, trainings, working for corporations, being a brand ambassador. I'm quite sure I would still have grown uh, a significant audience online, whether it was through Facebook or, not, or another platform. And But really, my, my heart lies really in the business aspect, but bringing in the people aspect too, because I, I love working with small, medium-sized businesses, enterprises. You know, I work with a number of, of large corporations and brands as well, uh, but I just really help people take the complex, like the, like the Facebook ads, for example, is so complex for most people, and and just really simplify it so that they can actually get more customers in the door, get more people signing up, and so whatever methodologies would have existed other than Facebook, I, I, I do believe strongly I would still be on a very similar path. Very good, and just just talking about your, I mean, you're commonly referred to as the queen of Facebook, you know, so clearly you've put in the hard yards early and you've built this very strong reputation for yourself. If I could just parallel you with, with someone like, say, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? So if you look at his success, he built, he took his dad's wine business, took it online and grew it, you know, from I think it was a three million turnover to a 53 million turnover in a couple of years. And his success has been down to mainly being an early adopter. What do you think your biggest success has or what's been the biggest contributor to your success? Was it the fact that you got your hands dirty doing the, you know, in the boiler room of the Facebook insights and, and sort of testing things? What, what was the biggest contributor? That's all part of it. I love Gary Vaynerchuk, a longtime friend of mine. We, we've, gosh, we go back way long years ago. Sometimes, sometimes people even refer to me as like the female Gary Vaynerchuk, except, except I never drop F-bombs. 
<laughs> not in public anyway. Um, he's a colorful character and just really a fun guy, very accomplished. I, I You know, I really believe that I like to think I'm humble, and this always sounds funny because it's like you don't. Nobody ever says, "Oh, you, you know, hey, you know what? If there was a if there was a leaderboard for humility, you know, I, I'm sure I'd be in the top ten. You know, that just sounds ironic to say, "Oh, yeah, I'm a very humble person." But what I mean by that is that uh, I just have compassion for all all human beings, and I'm very generous. I give away a lot of information for free. And back in the day, when clout scores were really, really you know, popular. Everybody's looking at your clout score. I mean, probably they still do a little bit nowadays, but who knows? Um, but I would say to people, you know what? It does not matter to me whether you have two or two thousand or two million followers. I don't care what your clout score is. You are important to me by virtue of being a fellow human being on this planet. I want to meet you because people would come up to me at events and they might get a little starstruck, you know, and they'd be all nervous about speaking to me. And and I love putting people at ease and just relating them to them as uh, another fellow human being and, and just really being just being authentic and genuine and helpful. Uh, and that really comes across. I know that comes across through my emails and my social profiles. Yeah, I think that's it's so important, isn't it? Like a lot of people think social media can be the silver bullet and it can nearly replace the interpersonal skills, but it, it can't. It, it never can. It's still always about the person to person contact, isn't it? It really is. You know what I've said for years that there's no amount of sophisticated technology that will ever ever replace that in person even no no amount of virtual reality artificial intelligence you name it put a mask on okay it feels like you're in the same room as someone but you can't be being in person with somebody you know and um, i think it's interesting over the years where sometimes people will develop like a persona an online persona and, and also the internet gives people a sense of false bravado even or anonymity and then you meet them in person and they're like oh my gosh they're nothing like they even look like in their profile picture or their behavior. Uh, and that's a little rarer now, but I know that, gosh, you know, five, eight years ago, I'd, I'd find that a lot. You meet someone and they'd, they're just very different than you expected them to be. But so that's, it's really, really important to be congruent. And, and, and that's, you know, another aspect of what people have told me over the years is that, Mari, you know, no matter what, you are the same online, offline, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, whatever. And uh, that's really one of my top goals you know, is, is to have that positioning, if you will. Brilliant. And that's no doubt that's uh, been a, a huge player in your success. Um, if we just talk about Facebook for a second. So when when Facebook started to blow up, did you ever envisage that it would become as big as it has? Like we're approaching, I think, nearly two billion monthly active users for Facebook. It's the most dominant social platform by a multiple over competitors. Did you ever see that level of adoption with this simple social network? You know, I, I actually did. I, I'll never forget the day that I pulled up Facebook.com. It was actually May the 4th of 2007, Star Wars Day. <laughs> and I just was like, wow, there's something magical. I love the shade of blue. I love the white space. I love the uniformity of the profiles. Every Everybody's profile looked the same. Well, not looked the same, but it had the same. You knew exactly where to find their information, not, not like MySpace, very, very different. And so um, – yeah, I just was like, there's something magical here. And for the first three weeks, I was just evangelizing. And from then on, ever, 
<laughs> but um, I, everybody I met would be like, are you on Facebook? Are you on Facebook? Let me show you the power of this. this is amazing. This was long before business pages and ads and just being able to network. And so, for example, um, you know, I would subscribe to people's newsletters. I'd go to their events. I'd read their books, people like Tony Robbins or, you know, Deepak Chopra, Jack Canfield, people who had followed for decades, right? And then I'm, all of a sudden, I'm chit-chatting with them. They're my Facebook friend, and I'm messaging them privately and they're the one back in the day you know people actually used to get excited and re- reply to their own <laughs> emails uh maybe a little bit changed now but um i just couldn't believe how easy it was to reach people who were previously unreachable and you know had all kinds of gatekeepers but i really strongly believed in mark zuckerberg's mission to connect the world i think there's absolute power in having the whole world having internet access having access to a common platform it doesn't have to be facebook i know when you know in China is WeChat, and I don't know if Facebook will ever get into China, but there's really something absolutely magical and powerful and even like transcendent, otherworldly that people are not necessarily aware of that can happen when all the human beings have this this connection, this virtual connection. Brilliant. And do, do you think there could be a point where it gets too big? So if you consider, right, Facebook is 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 probably at 2 billion monthly active users. Mm-hmm. It is, but, yeah. But, but then it's it's family of apps. So within that, you have WhatsApp, which is a billion plus uh, monthly active users, Facebook groups, a million plus, uh, Messenger, a million plus. Then you have Instagram making great strides and going head to head against Snapchat and seemingly so far seems to be winning that war. And then even further down the track, they have the, the virtual reality um, initiatives with uh, Oculus Rift and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they're going to take over. They're trying to take over the whole Internet. Can you get too big? Well, I don't think so, because, you know, Google is a massive company. Apple's a massive company. There's a, huge companies out there. IBM, I mean, you know, Microsoft. And I do believe that Facebook will continue to evolve and iterate. And yes, Facebook, the platform, at some point, I can't see, you know, 7 billion people on Facebook. There's people that just, it's not for them. They prefer another app. But then you also have, like you say, there's Instagram. Instagram, it's very, very new in terms of real growth and real user adoption. And they are adding features uh, really at rapid rate. And then you've got WhatsApp. I feel they've really hardly done anything with WhatsApp. WhatsApp's like waiting in the wings, even with this billion users, you know, for growth and evolution and, and, and monetization and business use. And there'll be more apps, I'm sure. And there's Facebook, uh, the workplace, the uh, Facebook at work is really a, like a intranet that's doing quite well. And, but in terms of the size, Fergus, I really think that, you know, Facebook, they have so much disposable income right now, a disposable, you know, stockpiled $25 billion waiting for the next acquisition. And they've got this building, secret building eight that they're hiring people for developers and they're working on some hardware, right? They're, they're doing drones and, and the masks for sure. They might come out with a phone at some point. And, but yeah, I think if we think of Facebook, the app, could that ever get too big? Possibly, but I think the growth will be modest, and and the finance the financial growth will continue to come from all kinds of other avenues. I mean, video Facebook's very very bullish on video. It's 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 really becoming the next generation television, and television advertising is an extraordinary source of revenues. 
I think in the U.S. alone, it's something like 70 or $80 billion industry. And that's what, you know, Facebook wants a slice of that. But, of course, so does Amazon, Netflix, and YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and some of the podcasts I listen to, um, Polizzi and Rose, they often talk about how they expect, fully expect Facebook to launch into TV maybe this year. Can you see that happening? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're already on that path. Yeah, no, definitely. That's definitely happening. And ter- and ter- but it's, di- it's different. It's different what people think about. It's not like you're going to turn on your regular television and get a cable channel called Facebook. I mean, it's it's basically the new app. They release a desktop or set-top app where you can stream Facebook videos and live uh, through your television. And it's done through – I don't know fully the details of it. It's through the Apple – uh, TV and the Samsung and, you know, just being able to switch on your TV and then just the same as you can play YouTube videos on your TV. And, you know, YouTube just very, very smartly just released that $35 a month subscription where you can start streaming all these mainstream channels. And so, but also one more point on that is that Facebook is actually investing uh, millions of dollars in purchasing episodic cam- uh, content so episodes of three to 30 minutes because those can actually be consumed even on mobile right on the fly or if people are moving or it doesn't have to be projected on your tv but uh, the good part about that gets people hooked do they get maybe into a soap opera or drama and of course that's wonderful opportunity for putting ads in there yeah, and seeing as how you brought it up, ads, I mean, the Facebook ad platform, that really has been a game changer, but both for the company as the best way to monetize what they have and all the users they have, but then equally for businesses and for digital marketers, it's, it's proved to be a fantastic tool for targeting potential customers and generating leads. Is it the biggest game changer we've seen in social media or digital marketing as a whole? Really good question. I don't know that I would call it the biggest game changer, but it certainly could be for for, for businesses. I, I think it's like if you think about the the, the the playing field has been leveled insofar as the small business owner has just as much opportunity to reach their audience and really fine tune their marketing and their targeting and get clear on their avatars and who they're wanting to reach. Uh, you know, just the same as as large brands. Now the difference being budget and the big challenge for small businesses is the they don't have as much budget to do some really deep testing and to just, you know, pour money into the Facebook guys and test, test, test about what, what works and what doesn't. And so I do think that um, the game teacher part, I think there's still a long ways to go. There's 60 million Small, uh, business, 60 million businesses have a Facebook page, and yet only 4 million are advertisers. So I know that Facebook's really, you know, on a mission to to get the other 56 million, you know, businesses advertising, taking advantage of the tools that are available. <laughs> Brilliant. And the, the, I suppose the flip side to that is the decline of organic reach and there's article upon article about how, you know, the algorithms are now stacking it against businesses who are trying to reach, you know, to just build a community through organic posts. What's your view on the role of organic, be it for a business or for a digital marketer? Well, there's, it's really interesting, a little bit complicated. I'll try to give a real short answer. Bottom line is that businesses need to recognize that 
thinking that you can go on Facebook and get some really good organic reach is, is basically 2012 thinking. Because ever since Facebook went public in February 2012, the organic reach has continued to decline, decline, decline. At the same time, of course, stock price has gone up, selling more ads, you know, being a very financially viable company. But the good news, though, is that never before have you, have you been able to reach such a targeted audience. And even with a nominal budget, sometimes clients will try like a dollar a day, $5 a day, $10 a day, that will actually help to amplify your organic reach. In other words, Facebook will give you more organic reach if you're spending even a little bit of, of advertising dollars. And the, the counter effect I see people doing is they think, gosh, you know, nobody's seeing my post. I keep posting great content. I know I'll post more. And they double or triple their frequency. And now they're posting, you know, six times a day. And that actually even hurts the algorithms even further because, you know, I, it depends. It totally, totally depends. This is not prescriptive, but typically I'm recommending about five times a week you want to post on Facebook. That means you can skip a couple days, um, but ideally not not a weekend. You try posting outside of business hours. Engage people when they're more likely to be on Facebook, even placing your ads during those times. I know you just said that they, it, it, it's not prescriptive all the time, but I'm going to have a crack at Maybe a, a non-prescriptive question. If you mm -hmm. if if you were a small business owner and you had a page and you you saw your reach wasn't maybe what it should be and you had a dollar a day, say which would you do? Would you well maybe a dollar wouldn't be enough, but let's say you had five dollars. Would you run an ad or would you boost a post? I would definitely run an ad. This is a wonderful question because what happens, you're absolutely right. You said earlier about how Facebook, like the algorithms are maybe favoring certain types of ads or certain types of companies. And they're definitely, I mean, I absolutely know this. This is not necessarily widely known, but Facebook ad algorithms will start to, to favor, give you um, priority, maybe better ROI. If you're using ads manager or power editor, if you have the Facebook pick, installed on your website if you're using custom audiences that is you're loading up your email database and you're doing you're you're doing the retargeting with your pixel on your website and a couple of other factors like using traffic as a uh, objective traffic being driving people to a destination on or off of Facebook and as opposed to like I love video views if I do a video or a live I like to get a little more reach and do video views and then I retarget because I can create an audience of people who've watched a certain amount of the, the video but even so that that's not necessarily one of the key objectives the video views but if you take all those components together and Facebook will be like ah this is a more seasoned advertiser versus a beginner or novice advertiser who only ever uses the boost button. And if you're going to use a boost button, I would recommend to a startup or a business owner, small business owners, limited budget, whatever it might be, limited time, moreover, uh, is to make sure you use saved audiences. You saved and custom audiences, so at least that tells the algorithms you're a bit more advanced than the people that are just, you know, tapping that boost button. And of course, you will get results from the boost button. There's no no question about it. But there's there's certainly more advanced strategies that you can use with not a whole lot extra time and effort. Well, that answer that was a goldmine of information. So, so basically, what you're saying is, you, you if you're serious about advertise or not even or not even advertise, but if you're serious about your presence on Facebook, you need to do things like have the pixel on your website, roll up your sleeves, get stuck into the the business manager, um, save your audiences. You know, you re you can't kind of mess around with this. You re you really need to show Facebook that you're serious. 
Correct, yeah, correct. Okay. And they know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, this is a sophisticated advertiser. This is not. Brilliant. Let's give a little bit, you know, preferential treatment. And it's just people say, oh, it's not fair. But, ah, you know, just the, the key here, the absolute key is education. You know, that's why it's great that, that the summit is coming up and, you know, people will be able to get more education. I love doing, like I say, webinars, Facebook Lives and providing as much information as I can to really help people get a leg up. Well, that's a nice segue to my last and final question. What can we expect on the day when we see you in Dublin in Croke Park on the 11th and 12th of April? Aha! A sneak peek. <laughs> well, I'm actually going to be talking about what I call winning Facebook strategies. What I find is that when people are like, oh, you know, Mario, I've tried Facebook ads. They don't work. I go to so many so many places all over the country. In fact, Facebook hired me back in 2015. I went on tour throughout the whole of the U.S. and was uh, traveling with Facebook and, and talking at these different events to boost your business. I know they've had them in Ireland as well. And uh, one of the one of the features that the, the, the people, the attendees got to, to uh, receive at these events was a one-on-one -on -one consult with me. And I was really, really amazed at all the kinds of questions that I got. It really gave me a tremendous deeper insight into, you know, the challenges that small businesses face. And what happens is people would say to me, Mario, you know, I tried Facebook ads, spent five thousand, ten thousand, one person told me one time, ten thousand dollars, didn't get anything out of it. I'm like, whoa, oh my gosh. The biggest the biggest challenge or, you know, um, drawback I see, and this is what I'm really going to be covering, is more of a, an end-to-end -end strategy in terms of how important it is to not just look at Facebook ads as one isolated, you know, marketing tool, if you will, and you press that button and you give Facebook money and then people expect the leads and the sales to come in. There's really more to it than that. You have to have the right landing page, you have to write the, the right offer, the right targeting. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really going to share my proven systems for creating what I call pre predictable growth. These are all the strategies and, and methodologies that I teach clients and businesses uh, around the world. And also what I'm going to do here is uh, I'm going to give a little glimpse into where Facebook is headed and how the attendees at the Social Media Summit can get a little bit of a head start, get the pole position now. Fantastic. Well, I'm after Chanty now, I'm really looking forward to that. I was always looking forward to it. But after after Chanty now, I'm really looking forward to the 11th and 12th. I promised I'd only keep you 20 minutes. We're approaching on 25. The time flew. So apologies, we're a little over. But thanks a million for your time, Mary. Truly my pleasure. I loved it. Thank you so much. So there you have it. That was Mary Smith talking about all things Facebook and social media. You can hear Mary on the day on the 11th of April in Croke Park, Dublin in Ireland. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode.